Welcome to episode 21 of SF Takes on Tourism. Hubertus, did you catch any of the opening ceremonies for the Olympics yesterday, last night, I guess it was? A few snippets, uh, not the whole thing, but I think I will. I think I will take, you know, some leisurely time, have a glass of wine and watch it. I love to watch Olympic ceremonies, I have to say. Okay. I, I don't know that I will, but uh, I'm a little bit curious. Maybe I'll just look at a few pictures. Uh, yeah. Today, we are going to take on this topic of Olympics. We read an article in the New York Times that was published uh, last week, and it was titled, uh, Let the Games Be Gone? Question mark. And it's a, Do the Tokyo Olympics Still Matter? Uh, it was a damning, da- damaging article about, and it, and it you know, t- took on many problems with the Olympics, ranging from the IOC to, um, to the corruption with the bids to... With the, problems with cost and impact, et cetera. Um, I'll just read a quick quote. Uh, In short, the Olympics are built on excess, tangled in geopolitics, rife with corruption and cheating. Each Olympic cycle raises uncomfortable questions about sustainability, environmental damage, and human rights. The games are presented as apolitical, but that is both impossible and untrue. The honor of holding them has faded. The Olympics strain to attract host cities, which are often left staggering in the aftermath, Climate change is shrinking the map for viable locations, especially for the winter games. So we're destination marketers. We're not going to take on the entire topic of Olympics. And I don't even want to start to get into the corruption with AOC or politics around it. So in our short time today, we want to really examine, do the Olympics make sense from a destination development and marketing aspect uh, we know that special events, festivals, meetings, exhibitions can have a, a really major impact for destinations, and that's why they always want to host them. But do the Olympics still make sense, and do they fall into that category of something that is desirable? Uh, so what, what did you think about the article? What do you think about the Olympics for destinations? First off, I, I love that article um, in a way that it really shone a light on sort of the the backstage of Olympics, right? And frankly, a lot of it I wasn't aware of. I think we all can agree that there has been corruption in the bidding process and in kind of how the IOC sort of operates. But um, I, I found it particularly interesting from that relevance point of view. I think we've all, you know, over the years have watch the Olympics. And again, I do like to watch the Olympics, but now I think I will watch it a little bit differently or with, with a little bit of a different angle in terms of what that really means for a host city or a host country. And, and you know, aside from the um, sports aspect, but also from a develop, developmental aspect and really the strain that it puts on these cities. So I think um, it really is an interesting proposition to make. And obviously it will be different from city to city. And I think in the case of the Tokyo Olympics, obviously they were going to host the the games last year. And um, I think the initial rationale for Tokyo and Japan to host the 2020 Olympics was really to kind of shine a light on Japan as a whole again. You know, they've been basically in, in somewhat of a kind of, you know, recession for decades they had the natural disasters in 2011. So there, there, there was not a lot of good news that came out of Japan. So I think they were kind of utilizing that a little bit, you know, to kind of really put um, Japan and Tokyo into the limelight again. Obviously now with the pandemic, that is a completely different proposition. Um, but Tokyo is a major metropolis, right? Huge infrastructure, huge city. So a lot of 
um, their infrastructure is already in place. So the question then becomes, right, is that is that something befitting for a city like Tokyo? Are there major improvements that um, that have been made um, that would benefit the residents, but also the visitors down the line? So I think um, that's that's kind of where I also found that article to be really interesting because they were questioning in many cases whether or not cities were really having sustainable plans as part of their Olympic bids yeah. that really benefit the residents, but also have like a long-term economic impact for those destinations. Well, and don't forget, Tokyo had consecutive years of record visitation. Um, they've had really successful tourism campaigns. That's actually been one of the most successful areas of their economy lately. Um, we know this from being in the tourism world. Their, their tourism board is fabulous and visitation is outstanding. So it does beg the question, did that make sense from a tourism uh, ROI point of view? And I think there's so much, um, there's so much documentation about the ridiculous costs of hosting the Olympics, um, just ballooning and how they can just strap these countries, how they're paying them off, how the taxpayers are paying them off for years and years. Uh, I think I'm a little bit more interested, though, in how do you really measure the success of the Olympics? And does it make sense for destinations from an ROI perspective? And how do you measure that ROI? And I think it is really, really difficult because, you know, there's that direct economic impact for sure. Um, there's then the PR, which is very difficult to measure, um, you know, just the impressions. And then there's just this intangible piece of showcasing your city and destination, which is really, I mean, almost impossible to measure. And I think more and more destinations are realizing uh, this is not worth it. We can't measure the success of this. And given the extraordinary costs, we're not going to go for them. And one really telling sign is how many cities are even willing to host them now. Mm -hmm. So in, for the 2024 games, uh, it became a, the process came down to two cities. Uh, it was Los Angeles and Paris. Um, Boston was the leader for a long time, then they pulled out of it due to costs. And then it ended up being just Los Angeles and Paris. So the IOC ended up awarding Paris for 2024 and Los Angeles for 2028. But they, mm -hmm. I mean, did they really award them? They were the only two, two cities there uh, willing they, to host them. So I think that says a lot that destinations are starting to realize this is not exactly a deal that we're looking for. Um, maybe there's better money spent, you know, from a marketing perspective and a destination development perspective. Maybe it's going to be hosted during their peak seasons already. Uh, and they're going to be able to, you know, their cities are already full with tourists. You know, we, we know that from San Francisco, whenever we're thinking of hosting an event, we always look, what time of year is it? What is the baseline amount of visitors that we have during that time? And does it make sense to maybe displace some of that normal demand for a special event like, you know, the Olympics? Uh, thoughts on measuring success? It's a good question. And I, I think you, you have to keep in mind the, the cost that, that it uh, takes to host these games, right? And I just had a few examples here. Um, the Sochi uh, Winter Olympics in 2014 are still right now the most expensive one. And they came in at $50 billion, followed by Beijing 20, uh, 2008 at $40 billion. And then there's Rio at $20 billion. So there's that massive cost and burden, right? And I read somewhere that in so in the case of Sochi, Russian taxpayers will 
it will take until the 2050s uh, for Russian taxpayers to pay off these games. So I think when you take that into consideration, you know, what is that really, what, what is that impact? You know, how do you, how do you really, um, how do you really measure that? And I think you brought up some good points. I think there's definitely a PR component. Um, you know, I, I like to bring this example of the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, the Summer Olympics. Um, up until that point, Barcelona was not really a known destination. Uh, but suddenly here it is, that Mediterranean Spanish city, and it's viewed by billions of people around the world. There was some iconic footage. And uh, nowadays, you know, up until now, Barcelona has been grappling with over-tourism, right? They have millions and millions of visitors. Begs the question whether or not the Olympics sort of spurred that, but it could be, it could, there's, there's something to be said about that because I think, you know, it, it sort of put, I hate to use this word, but it's sort or term, but, but it kind of put Barcelona on the map on a global stage. So in the case of Sochi, I think that's debatable. You know, I know that Russia was going to position Sochi as a world-class resort destination on the Black Sea. I don't think that has happened despite the investment of $50 billion. So, you know, there's the immediate impact, I think that that is probably difficult to measure. You know, there were these instances, you will remember that from the 2012 uh, Olympics in London, where suddenly the day of the, or leading up to the opening ceremony, there were all these news that the hotels were basically wide open in London. You could have all these amazing deals and, um, the city of London was basically somewhat deserted during the games. People, residents kind of wanted to get out because they said, we, we don't even want to deal with the masses coming in. But it also didn't attract visitors because they were probably afraid of, you know, dealing with traffic, uh, congestion, and maybe excessive rates. So to your point, it's really, really hard to measure that. But I think I'm, I'm more curious to really see what that long-term benefit for a destination could be. And you had brought up, um, Japan, and yes, that trajectory for, for Japan was really uh, over the next few years, and this predates the pandemic, obviously, but they've, they've predicted record-breaking growth for Japan as a whole. Then again, the question is how much would or will the games, the Tokyo Games, actually contribute to that growth, if right. any? It, exactly, if any. Um, and in and the Olympics, I mean, all, a lot of big events are have questionable direct economic impact depending on when they're hosted in the city. So it's not just the Olympics. I think the Olympics are just an extreme example. Um, but that long term impact, I mean, it is so, so difficult to measure. So I think when you look at the massive risk involved with hosting these games, then it's then it becomes really questionable and dangerous for the cities to commit to it because you don't know what that long term impact will be, but you do know what some of the immediate costs will be. And then there's also risk where you don't know what some of the longer term costs will be for the cities. And we've seen how some of the infrastructure built um, goes into disarray, um, mm -hmm. you know, does more harm than good. Um, it can be embarrassing, can be frustrating for residents to see. So, you know, that all adds into the risk with that questionable, really questionable uh, long term development. And uh, maybe I'm happy that San Francisco hasn't that <laughs> um, was that date. I forget even when that was. When it was going to be for. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I was at SF. There was that. It was that hot minute where a, a bid on the national level was considered. 
Um, I think that leg legacy piece, Dan, is really, really important because, um, and, and maybe that's something where the IOC needs to make some adjustments, right, to really encourage these interested cities to come up with bids that are really sustainable and benefit residents yeah. because ultimately you need to have that, that local buy-in. Right. Time and time again, bidding cities are pulling out because there's um, there's uh, resistance from from the residents um, level, and I I would agree with that, right? Unless that it's a really sustainable um, bid where it's demonstrable that it will help the residents in terms of infrastructure, in terms of housing, transportation, you know, and 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 turning these facilities that may be custom built into the, the public good, right? Or put, put them to public use. I think that is going to be really important. And the way, from what I know, the IOC is structuring these bids at this point, it really is encouraging these super ambitious yeah. bids um, that kind of narrow the field to begin with because it takes a lot of money, it takes a lot of effort. Um, but I think that there should be that effort that um, it should be, the ownership should be more on those host cities to really come up with their own bids that, they see and feel um, benefits them in the long run. As well. And the article made it seem that the, the IOC and the, the Olympics in general is, is unreformable for so many reasons. But yeah. my one hope is if it, if, as you're saying, if the bids are, um, if the, the bidding process is changed um, to accommodate more cities and cities really view this from a, uh, a sustainable a viewpoint and sustainable development perspective, then that might drive the reform because the economics and the free market in that sense will really work itself out. And I think cities shouldn't, should uh, fall back and rely on their destination marketing organizations to really put together these analysis um, to look at what the true impact will be. Because we at, at SF Travel, I mean, there's, we, really, we, we only bid on things that, that will pan out and truly have results. And we're, we're accountable for those both in the short and long term. And mm -hmm. I think cities have a tendency, like bigger governments, countries, will that will they're the ones that will come, like Russia and Sochi, they're the ones that will come through with these ridiculous bids and end up costing taxpayers a lot of money because there's no accountability, uh, and they're not, they're you know they're not making a rational analysis. And I think so. Hopefully, some of the, some of the reform will just be driven by economics, and in order to stop the prevent the olympics from fading into complete irrelevancy it sounds like some serious reform will be necessary across basically every area of the olympics um so i will post the article in the the show notes today i encourage everyone to read it we'd love to hear your thoughts on it um i also would love to hear anyone's thoughts on hosting the olympics or hosting like large sports events or special events in general um, but specifically the Olympics, because they are so um, specific uh, in terms of what is um, demanded by them. Any final thoughts, Yvertis, before we let our uh, before we let our audience go enjoy the weekend? I'm curious, are you not going to watch the Olympics because of political reasons or are you just not interested? Oh, I'm, I'm probably going to watch the Olympics. I mean, I don't even have a TV right now. Um, there are certain, you know, I have my favorite events, obviously. I, I actually prefer the Winter Olympics, I think, but... Mm -hmm. um, I probably will tune into some of the sports and, and check it out. But um, I, just the opening ceremonies, I mean, they're just, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like I'm not going to go out of my way to, to take a look at them. I'm, now I'm kind of curious since we had this whole discussion. But, uh, you know, I think the Olympic, watching the Olympics is definitely fun. 
Um, but, you know, it's a kind of strange too, just to think of it as like one giant performance that's, you know, with no fans there. It's just a strange feel this year. Absolutely. Plus, I, I think what also worked against the to or is working against the Tokyo Olympics is again, that local buy-in. And this again predates the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, the Japanese were not really excited about hosting the Olympics. There was actually um, a big effort to to not host the Olympics. So I think that kind of adds a little bit to that overall sentiment, right? And again, from, from a host city or host region or country, I think you need to have, yes, there's always going to be resistance to those types of things, right? But you need to have a collective buy-in. I think you can only achieve that by really coming up with um, a strategy that benefits um, a lot of different stakeholders along the way long-term. And, and I'm curious to see whether or not the IOC is going to make some um, some adjustments or some yeah. amendments to how they view this uh, strategy, um, but yeah, I would I would also encourage everybody to read that article. I thought it was really an eye opener. Whoever is sort of interested in in, in the Olympics, uh, but also in sort of the politics that go into that and what kind of goes on behind the scenes, it's 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 a really good read. Yeah, absolutely. Well, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week for the next. Have a great weekend, everybody.